I'm Karen Valley. And I'm Kate Valley. And this is Friday Night at Blockbuster, the podcast about TIFF winners. This is the third and final episode on TIFF winners from the 2000s. And today we are looking at the 2008 winner, Slumdog Millionaire. But before we get into the movie, we've been talking about, you know, what are we going to talk about? What movies are we going to watch after sort of the TIFF episodes were done? And we, we have a couple ideas and a few things in our back pocket that, you know, we're, we're kind of saving for later. But uh, as all great podcasts do when they somewhat run out of ideas, yeah. uh, they ne- run ne- to the mailbag episode. <laughs> Need a nice filler week or two. Yeah, yeah. We just, uh, I think we're both a little bit burnt out on movies as well. Like, Yeah, we've had a lot of movie watching because by the time this comes out, you we'll have, will... We'll have gone through TIFF. Yeah, we will have finished our TIFF season this yeah, year. So, yeah. 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 It's, it's been a jam-packed few days, really. Um, so yeah, maybe a week without needing to watch a movie. I'm still going to... Like, let's be honest, I'm still going to probably watch about five or six. Yeah. But without needing to actually set time aside to be like, I need to watch this movie specifically. I need to sit there, watch the movie, take notes, yeah. like all that. You can yeah. kind of just sit really yeah. and enjoy. So, so yeah. So we're, we're going to do a mailbag episode. Uh, we think we'll, it'll probably be about two weeks. So you've got two weeks to get any sort of questions in. Uh, obviously, in the past... The questions had been directed at me, and you had been reading them. Yeah. But now I, I'm on this side of the you're microphone. You're in the hot seat. <laughs> you are in the hot seat, and so any questions that you have for Kate, please submit. <laughs> if if you submit no questions to me and all of them to Kate, that would be just as good. So yeah, I, I don't fully know. Like maybe I'll read some questions, and you read some questions, and if some are specifically for you, I'll read them. And yeah. Yeah, if there's, one, if there's one that you really want Kieran to answer, maybe just throw like four Kieran at the start or something so we know. But I think otherwise, maybe we'll just take a look at the questions we get and see if you've got an answer for one or are there any so. Are there any kind of questions that you're worried about? Like, are you worried that people are not even going to ask questions? They're just going to be like, how did you not know who Francis Ford Coppola was? <laughs> like, now it's their chance to finally comment on this. I feel like they've had a few chances to comment on this. I am out in the world, so, like, people could just come up to me, but, yeah. And they have, to be fair. That, yeah. Yes. Not, not a lot of people, Some but... people have made comments. <laughs> not to me, to you, I well, think. Well, okay. So. Yeah, so I think, uh, yeah, we'll do that, you know. I think, what would we say? next weeks. Next week is our wrap-up of... We'll do a TIFF wrap-up. And then it'll be the mailbag. And then it'll be the mailbag episode. So, yeah, two weeks, and then uh, we'll do the mailbag, and then and then we've got some stuff for uh, for October. Oh, boy. <laughs> Kate's told me that I'm allowed to have one horror movie. Yes. So I've got to kind of make it a good one. Yeah. I said I can't do four because that's the really the only genre I am truly not a fan of and just wouldn't watch even for the podcast. So I did say to Kieran, he gets one, I think I said mild psychological thriller. So could I, could I entice you or strong arm you into doing a <laughs> challenge as well? Possibly. Like what if we did... What if we did, because like this decade's not great for the horror movies. Yeah, you've, you've said. <laughs> it's not fantastic. You know, you, you gave me a shot at a horror movie already. And the best I was able to come up with was 28 Days Later, which is like not really a horror movie at all. Yeah. Um, so it's not a great decade, but this decade has a lot of remakes. Oh, okay. And so I'll do a little bit of research and we'll figure out what we can find. And maybe we do an original and then the remake. As an episode. Sure. 
and and we see what's going on and like to be fair i might not even be a fan because a lot of the horror remakes are are big are big misses on your part (laughs) terrible movies terrible terrible movies but could be worth checking out could be worth talking about and then for you i think even if it's bad it'll probably still scare the shit out of you yeah probably yeah (laughs) uh so moving on we can jump straight into slumdog millionaire this week so we're going back to April 3rd, 2009. That could have been the Friday that we would have. And I, I think I probably rented this movie fairly soon after it came out because I think it, this would have come out r- like relatively soon after winning the Oscar. Yeah, because it would have been Oscars are usually March, April. So yeah, I think this probably like they probably timed this perfect to get the DVD out there. As soon as it had won the award. And I I honestly don't think I would have gone to the movies to see this. I think I probably would have waited till the DVD. So yeah, probably April 3rd, 2009. So with the movie, you had told us last week that this uh, was one that you hadn't seen. And you were kind of surprised that you hadn't yet checked it out. Uh, What did you think? It's obviously coming in with a bit of a reputation. Yeah, so it came in with a reputation. I clearly missed the mark i had no idea what this story actually was oh okay so what did so (laughs) what did you think it was what did you think i thought it was like a bollywood so i thought it was a musical i thought there was going to be music okay okay (laughs) um and so that's why i said oh i'm surprised i missed it because i love musical ones i tend to watch anything that is a musical is pretty high on my list to kind of watch but so when there wasn't the music i was like oh okay, we're in a different kind of story. Um, And then I knew that it was semi-centered around him doing Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I knew that was kind of in the story somehow. I didn't realize we would get the flashbacks on how he knew the answers to some of the questions and kind of his whole backstory. And so did you like it? (laughs) Um, I did. I'm hesitant to say that only because the flashbacks of like him growing up and the how do I say her Lakita uh, Latika Latika stories like was once again kind of hard to watch um, and especially coming off of Eastern Promises the week before I was just like I thought I was in for a light and fun movie and that wasn't necessarily the case the whole time <laughs> but I liked how they did the story. I liked that it was set in like their present time with the flashbacks and with him being interrogated by the police, not necessarily all of the interrogation scenes. Cause you know, when he gets electrocuted and stuff, that was once again, a little tough, but yeah. So for coming in with the wrong idea of what the movie was, it didn't do too bad. So I, you, it's Based, a miss on your part, yeah, right? You don't I, like it at all. I basically love everybody involved with this movie. But for whatever reason, I just do not enjoy this movie. No? No. I've never liked it. I've never really enjoyed it. I remember watching it at the time when it was winning all the awards and just sort of being like, huh, okay. Yeah. And then I think I've probably watched it in the intervening years and again was sort of just like, hmm, Okay. And watched it again the other night. And again, I was sort of like, hmm, sure. Okay. Like, I I can see why people are 
like really in love with it and why why it sort of why it did so well. I can yeah. I can totally recognize that. But for whatever reason, it just has never ever worked its magic on me. So is it the writing? Is it the way that they tell the story? Like I I can I, you nail down what what isn't working for you? I think it's like a little bit of everything. You know, that's a bit of a cop out answer. Okay, but like I think. So, like, I'm a big Danny Boyle fan, and there's obviously a little bit of his style in this movie, but, like, not enough for me. Mm-hmm. But then there's also not enough of, like, the Bollywood Indian cinema influence. Like, I find, like, that the mashup that they do doesn't quite Is balance. it mashed? Yeah. Like, it doesn't quite match itself or, or mesh well. I think the way that they tell the story is, like, interesting, but then when you start to think about it for... 10 seconds you're sort of like oh like that doesn't really add up to anything i'm not one to criticize child performers because like they are children yeah um but like half or two uh like two-thirds of the movie is the kids and it's sort of like well like dev patel and frida pinto and you know all these indian actors that are on screen like they're really good like i'd like to spend way more time Time with with them. them Um, and like, we just don't really. And so it's like, it's a little bit of everything. Um, there's obviously like actual criticisms of the way that this movie depicts India and, and the people and things like that, that like, I'm not going to speak to. I've read the criticisms and, you know, I understand where they're coming from. I'm not from there. I'm not going to say if, you know, the criticisms are correct or not or or whatever, like that's their opinion. They're, they're welcome to it. But like, there are definitely people with like strong opinions about how this movie portrays Indian people. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like it's just never, you know, when you sit down for some of these movies and you're just like that, just for whatever reason that worked on me, like that just, you know, struck some chord in there. This movie just has never done it. It But, but I can also point to it and be like, it's pro it's pretty well made. So like, it's not a, I look at it and say it's a bad movie. I just look at it and be like, mm, it's just, just not just not your kind. Just not for me. Just not just for not you. Just not for me. I brought up the sort of the non-linear story. Like, were you able to follow things? Were you able to keep things sort of straight in your mind as things were going on? Because it actually does jump backwards and forwards more than I remember it doing. So the only time I got a little confused was right at the very start. Because they start with him being interrogated. And so I was kind of confused on, was this after he became a millionaire? Like, was this before and stuff? And so I, that's when I got a little lost. But then when I figured out or they there was a line or something and they explain that it's between whatever the 750,000 and the million question yeah, yeah, or yeah. whatever they yeah. are. But it's between that. So before he goes in for the final one I, and I, then I, they did the flashbacks, I was like, yeah. oh, okay, that makes I had forgotten that that they got to the final question and then the episode ended. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when they arrested him. Like, I had forgotten that. I thought he had won. And then they, and arrested, then they arrested him. And arrested him. So, yeah, I had forgotten that little part of the story. But, yeah, so, like, that only at the beginning did I get a little bit confused. I can see why they would want to start with that because, like, that it's, would... It centers you. It puts you right in the middle of... Kind of wanting yeah. him to get out of this and yeah. stuff like that. So yeah. I got that. Um, I think it would be quite a, I think it would be quite boring if they had told this as him as a child, then him as a 
sort of preteen, then him as a teenager, and then finally the last 30, 40 minutes were him on Millionaire. I think that would have been boring. That would have been extremely boring. And I think you wouldn't have picked up on, well, he knew that the big Hollywood, uh, sorry, the big Bollywood actor in Mm -hmm. whatever the movie was from the first question was the guy that he ran into and got his autograph and the Hindu god or uh, that question. So like I would have missed those clues if it was told linear yeah so having the flashback was kind of nice that you got to see where he got the knowledge from so it might my, my thing on the the non-linear storytelling is like that's like a bit of a danny boyle thing like he likes to fuck around with film and stuff and like i'm sure you when you were watching it like he likes to put the camera in certain places that yeah. nobody would ever think to put a camera in and like that's why i like his movies is like he's always thinking outside the box a little bit and so like Having the non-linear story, like, like we were saying, like, it keeps the energy going. Like, it's not, it's not a slow movie. I would never say that. No, it's definitely not slow. It is always moving all the time. And so, by letting him cut back and forth, like, there's no, like, fat. Like, as soon as one thing gets boring, he cuts to another part of the storyline. My, and this is, this is maybe we can start to drill down on why I don't ultimately (laughs) love this movie sort of as much as some people do. But like, so I can look at it like that and say, yes, that's a good decision. The way that you told this story, that's a good decision. However, I then couldn't help but start thinking like, well, all the questions follow his life In, in, in a linear fashion. So like the first few questions he answers because he remembers them as a child. And then the next couple he answers because he was a preteen. And then the next couple, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Instead of, if you really wanted to tell it non-linearly, you would have like. Mix the ages. You would mix the ages yeah. up. You would have maybe the first question he remembers because he did it last week. And then the second one is back when he was a child. And then the third one is, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and you would jump around like that if you really, really wanted to do this. And that's why I think like the movie, it's kind of like one or two steps in a cool direction and then maybe one step back into a sort of more traditional, more conventional being like, you know, it's okay. Like we're not going to get too crazy here. Yeah. And, and I sort of picked up on that last time when I was watching it the other night where I sort of like, Oh, like the questions exactly follow his life. Like he never gets a question at the end of the show that relates back to his childhood. He gets the questions at the end of the show that relate back to, I guess, except the yeah. final question. Which except was... the final question, but like, yeah, like they yeah. they heavily imply that pretty <laughs> early on that this is going to be important. But yeah, it was just like it was like things like that where I was sort of like, oh, that's cool. Oh, but you didn't really you don't go a hundred percent in that direction. Yeah, you're sort of going halfway, and it was sort of like a lot of that. That's how I feel about this movie. Okay, so I'm waiting for I'm preemptively ex- waiting for an eye roll from you, Danny Boyle. You said you love him. Yeah, I really only know him because he directed the london olympics <laughs> well listen listen so what i don't else? i don't i don't tend to watch the opening ceremonies for these big sporting events because like it is just people walking into a stadium yeah. it's it's whatever it is but when he was doing that i i was like i'm watching this because he's gonna do something cool and he did he did the opening for the london games was fucking awesome like so what other movies though because katie he did train spotting oh okay <laughs> I told you I was waiting for an eye roll. He did so. <laughs> Train Spotting, my favorite movie of all time. 
He directed it. And he directs the shit. Like, it's another one of these movies where you're just like, holy fuck, like, this guy, what is he... What drugs is he on? Because he is out here. But so, like, does he do these kind of multiple timelines in a lot of his movies? Or... He does mess around with time. He does mess around like, with time. Like, is he like a Christopher Nolan who, No, like... no, no. He's, he doesn't have, like, an obsession with it. Um, like, he did 28 Days Later. That was his movie. Oh, okay. Um, and so, like, again, like, you can see where he's sort of, like, you know... I might jump back. I might jump forward a little bit. I might mess around with dreams. I might mess around with this or that. But he's not hes not like a Nolan thing where like the whole movie exists as a sort of like, I'm going to mess with time. I'm going to do something different with time that people haven't seen. Um, and like, he's not like obsessed in that way. Okay. So like train spotting does, you know, go forwards and backwards a little bit. And like, we jump from here to there and whatnot. But it's not a sort of like, I think with Nolan, you can, you can feel things like Dunkirk where it's sort of like the whole conception of that movie probably came about when he was like, oh, I can do one week for the soldiers, one day for the boats and one hour for the planes. Yeah. Like that's how I'll tell the story. And then it'll, they'll all come together at a key point. Dan Boyle is not necessarily like that. I don't think he gives a shit about that, but he does do things like, you know, geography and things like that where you like he'll jump around like he'll he'll sort of mess with you a little bit and it is i think as a way to like keep you engaged with certain stories that otherwise could potentially be boring like he did that 127 hours movie it's like oh the guy's okay. stuck yeah. by a rock for the whole movie yeah like there's not a lot going on so he needs to come up with things to, to keep, keep you engaged and keep you sort of gripped and and entertained for the two hours of whatever that the movie is going for you know what i mean like the guy gets trapped by the rock in the first 10 minutes yeah you know what i mean and so like okay. we need to do things here and i think he understands that and so like there's a little bit of uh, there's obviously a little bit of it here like i i would be curious as to how much of it was straight from the script to be like we're jumping around in time or i th- like i think i must have been at least in there somewhere um, but I'm sure he heightened it. I'm sure he was like, let's sort of have fun with this thing. You have obviously only probably seen two Danny Boyle films now and yeah. the London Olympics. <laughs> yes. Um, so I can't really, I'm not going to ask you to, to rank them or anything like that. Um, but yeah, like this wouldn't be at the bottom, but again, it, it would be like, three quarters of the way down the list. You know what I mean? Like this is not a Danny Boyle movie that I would be running back to when I'm doing a Danny Boyle marathon. Okay. You know what I mean? Which is like odd because this is arguably his biggest success. Not even arguably. It just is his biggest success in terms of awards and whatnot. Like this won eight Oscars. Yeah. So I'm looking at his thing. I've seen four of them. Oh, what else have you seen? So I saw Yesterday. Oh, right. Which I didn't know was him. And then Steve Jobs, which I also didn't realize was him. I kind of forgot that he did that one. Yeah, that was supposed to be a Fincher movie. And then he stepped in at the last minute. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think uh, Fincher wanted... Who did he want? Did he want Christian Bale to be Steve Jobs? And then they just couldn't make it work. And so then Fincher was like, man, I don't really want to do this anymore. And so then Danny Boyle stepped in. Um, but yeah, he hasn't really made too many movies since the London Olympics. It's been a little bit slower now. And I, I do wonder if he's sort of a bit more choosy maybe about the stories that he's telling because he's like, he has an odd career. Like 
he comes out with something like Shallow Grave, um, which is just a sick, sick movie. Like, oh my God, it's so awesome. <laughs> it's so like, it's so small and intimate, but it is just like filled to the brim with like big ideas and whatnot. And like, that's a big, that's a big hit. And then he does train spotting, which like, if you know anything sort of about um, UK cinema in the 90s, like until train spotting hit, it was a lot of like Merchant Ivory movies, which are like the like Jane Austen adaptations or, you know, like Howard's End and things like these, like these, yeah. these costume period piece dramas. That's kind of all they were making. And then he makes a movie about heroin addicts in Gla- or in Edinburgh. And everyone's like, oh, shit, we can do that? Like, <laughs> I didn't know we could do that. So he's kind of and a so, bit all over the place. Yeah. And so that just like exploded the roof off of, you know, the possibilities of UK cinema for the next decade or so. But then like he doesn't have a hit again for like six or seven years. Like he makes A Life Less Ordinary, which is the worst movie I've seen him make. Oh my God. Okay. Um, yeah. That comes immediately after Train Spotting, <laughs> And uh, I really dislike that movie. And then he makes The Beach, which I enjoy, but it is one of those movies that I can point to and be like, that's not good. Like, I love it, but it's not good. Okay. Um, but then he comes back and makes 28 Days Later, which is a big hit. You know what I mean? And so he kind of has one of those careers where he makes a big hit and then maybe makes one or two that don't work. And then he comes back with another one and so on and so forth. And yeah, the last movie he made was Yesterday. And uh, I don't like that movie either. So. Yeah, I just found the concept, I think, for that one was a bit odd. So. I just but... think like. It should have had more fun with that concept. Yeah. And it kind of didn't. Like, I don't know what it was, but it, it was, I think maybe a little bit similar to this one where it's sort of like your idea, you you should go 100% in on this idea and you're kind of only going in on 60%. Yeah. And sort of like, that's not enough. Like, go you're, in it, fully committed, fully committed and then like have fun with it. But they're kind of playing it safe. Because I think even if, if they had gone 100%, maybe it still wouldn't kind of work for everybody but at least then somebody couldn't say well you're half-assing it like and like right yeah and i think coming back to slumdog millionaire you do i guess wonder if they had gone full sort of indian bollywood style you know what i mean like if they had made the movie that you thought you were going to get yeah where there was music and dancing and things like that like would it then have translated to this global audience that loved the movie so much and like eventually propelled it to all these wins like it may have been more niche but i do wonder if it would have been better i think so um i don't think in the 2000s uh bollywood movie about a guy becoming a going on to the show who wants to be a millionaire would have it wouldn't have won awards no no it definitely would not have won definitively no (laughs) based on other movies at the time that were winning awards kind of the years leading up to it but i think like you said i think it would have been a better movie i think i would have and i think probably enjoyed it more yeah so i think more people would have come out and kind of said no this was this was good the main star dev patel He's, yep. he's like you know he's in the whole movie but he is really he shares the role with the with the two other younger uh actors but he's he's the big name coming in and coming out was this like the first thing you would have seen him in like how how many other movies or things have you seen deb patel in so i haven't seen him in any movies he did do newsroom 
Didn't oh, he? Oh, right. Yes, yes, was yes, Was he yes. in Newsroom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's him. He was Neil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that would have been my first... That was your introduction? Introduction to yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. So. So going back and watching him, because he would have been a little bit younger, not too, too much younger in Slumdog Millionaire than he would have been in Newsroom. But like, how did you how did you feel about the younger, younger Dev Patel? Um, I didn't really notice that he was much younger. So. I think he, I think he was only about five or <laughs> yeah. so years younger. Yeah, I think it's about four years or something. The the so. interesting thing with Dev Patel and me is that I had watched Skins before this. Oh, okay. and he was on Skins as An as Anwar, and he was kind of the like dopey loser friend. Like he's a bit of like he's not a bit of it. He is an idiot on okay. that show. Like he doesn't really have a brain. Um, and he's like the only one, like all the other kids on the show, they're all kind of fuck ups and they're all messes, but they all get an episode where you're sort of like, oh, there is, there's something in there. There's something redeemable. There's some, yeah. There's something, <laughs> there's something in there that like makes you street smart or makes you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Intelligent in another way. Maybe like they're, none of them were necessarily like academically brilliant. Uh, Anwar, Dev Patel's character, like never gets that moment. Oh god. <laughs> he's always kind of just an idiot. And like he's really funny and he's great presence on that show, but the character did sort of paint this picture of Dev Patel to me. So then when I saw him that he was leading this movie about becoming a millionaire on the game show, I was sort of like, really? Dev Patel, Anwar <laughs> from Skins. <laughs> Uh, and like, I think he's good. I think he's good in this movie. And then, you know, I thought he was good in newsroom. And at this point, he'd be my number one pick for James Bond. I think I said that during the James Bond episode. I was gonna say, I think he was kind of your top. Yeah, I couldn't remember if he was your topper and like your kind of top two or three. He's so. he's completely become an actor and like a, a personality where it's sort of like, he, I think he's made a lot of TV shows. But if he pops up in a movie, I'm, I'm always sort of like, oh, cool. Like, Dev Patel's in that. I will probably check that out. And yeah, like I think I watched him in this one called The Green Light a year or two ago. And I was sort of like, James Bond, give him the role right now. See, I think for me, I only know him from Newsroom and now this. And so seeing him, because in Newsroom, he kind of plays the smart guy. He's kind the, of kind of nerdy. He's but kind smart. of the yeah, nerdy. Yeah, yeah. He's the techie guy um, and things like that. And so seeing him in this where he's once again, maybe, I wouldn't say he's techie in this, but like, he's kind of savvy in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously is smart and remembers things. It made sense. Like it wasn't a hard or a right. big, a big right. jump for me. Right, so. right. I think you can see why he was probably given the role on Newsroom based oh, on yeah. this movie. Like, you know what I mean? Like it does sort of fit in a line of like, yeah, he can definitely do that character. Um, but I think what's fun is that I've now, like, I saw, when I saw him in The Green Knight, I was like, oh, I didn't know he could do this character. Because what is he in, is he, like, kind of an action he's guy? A, he's a knight, and he has, like, fight scenes, and he's, you know, a bit bigger and more muscular, and you're sort of like, I think this guy in a suit, kicking ass with, like, a gun, he Would could be do a it. good time? <laughs> he would fucking do it, and, like, I could see it, and I was sort of like, yeah. If they want to do something fun, which I don't think the Broccoli's are going to do, I think they're going to be pretty boring and pick another white guy. <laughs> um, but if they want to, if they want to have a good time, I Dev and Patel, do something different. Do something different. I think Dev Patel, like you could do a lot worse than, yeah. than him as as James Bond for the next few years. And like he's young, he's he like is, 32, yeah. 33 years old. Like 
he's young. Like he could be James Bond for the next 10, 15 years. Yeah. He's, so he's a year younger than you. Oh, don't tell me that. <laughs> I'm sitting in my mother's, <laughs> my mother's house podcasting with my sister and I'm big upping this guy to be James Bond. Like, don't tell me that. Um, we talked about Frida Pinto. Fr- Frida Pinto. Has she been in? Like, do you know her from other things? She's she showed up in a few other movies. Um, I think the biggest one that she showed up in post this one is she was in um, the Planet of the Apes movie, the first one uh, oh, when okay. they when they redid that whole trilogy. Yeah, uh, she was in the first one. She showed up in a in a Terrence Malick movie. She showed up in Knights of Cups, which is my least favorite Terrence Malick movie. Okay, so you know that's not great for her, unfortunately. I think she's like. I think she's good in this movie. She's like a, a presence. Like you can, you, she sort of like radiates a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can, I think the whole storyline with them where you, like they meet as kids and then when he gets a bit older, he's still like pining after her. And it's not necessarily like a love at that point, but it is, there's something, obviously there's some connection there. I think the love connection comes at the third storyline when they're supposed to be like, 18 19 20 years old yeah but i think you can i think you can understand when you see her on screen a sort of like i think you would be drawn to her you would sort of be like latika like i need to go find Find her her. i need to you know see what's going on with with her and her life and i think she would be a sort of presence because like she just naturally has this quality yeah and so yeah i think that's that's good casting from them i think what i noticed as well and then I read the trivia on it as well. They always kind of dressed her in yellow or like had the yellow scarf or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I think that also just kind of helps her do that radiating. She just and, stands out. Yeah. She stands out. Like she's obviously a very beautiful woman. And then, yeah, like the way that they dress her. And like they're always in crowds and things like that. And so obviously they're not letting anybody else really wear yellow. And so then you see this like brightness just come on screen. You're just like, oh. There she is. There she is. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, I get it. I get it. Like, that's good filmmaking. Yeah. So it's like pretty rudimentary filmmaking, but it is good filmmaking. Like, it is effective, right? But I think if she didn't have kind of that personality. No, like exactly. It, like, it's yeah. the personality and then the costume yeah. just yeah. kind of was well, a had, good like, combo. She has so. that smile. Like, it keeps it keeps cutting back to that shot when he sees her in the in the train station. Yeah. And she like looks up at him and smiles and you're just like, yeah, like yep. I absolutely would throw my life away for, <laughs> for that smile. So like I get it from his perspective. I totally, totally understand. The third, I guess I, I could say the third musketeer in this, in this yep. group is, is, uh, Salim, Salim, the, the older brother. Yep. So what do you, what do you think of Salim? Did you have any sort of ideas where his storyline was going when, when we meet him as a kid? So at first I didn't realize that they were brothers. I kind of just thought they were friends friends and stuff. Um, and so when I realized that they were brothers, I was like, okay. And then I think I made a note that Salim is Jamal's protector. Like yeah. he just, he does whatever he needs to do to make sure that his little brother is good. The thing that threw me for a loop is when they were, we'll call it like that preteen, that second, the, the middle section, the middle section, the middle story. When he meets up with the second gang. So he shoots the one guy. Yep. Goes and falls into the gang with the other one. And then comes back to the hotel and basically kicks Jamal out. 
to almost assault Latka. Yeah. I was kind of there being like, what the fuck is happening? Like, yeah. what switch has just happened in him and that he's now going to do this to his brother, the guy that he's always protected. So like that I didn't quite yep. resonate with. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like I just I didn't understand. It was a little I think it's a little bit of like the story needs Jamal to be separated yeah. so that he can find Latika again in the third storyline. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we need to create a situation here where there is a, a separation and the group falls out. Um so that we can bring them back together. Yeah. I just and and I sort of was like, and this is ringing a little false. Yeah, I just because the whole time leading up to that, he is that protector role. And I don't know what I would have done differently, but that whole scene just didn't work for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Like, I think you get, there are little hints or whatever where like when they, when they first see her dancing in the room for the, the older guy. Yeah. Uh, and he, I think he said something about her like, oh, she's like really sexy or whatever. And she's like, she's like 13 or something like that. And yeah. And just like, mm, okay, well, um, but um, I think. You're supposed to get the sense that, like, he's just physically attracted to her. But I I then would come back to the point of, like, if he was just a horny teenage boy, which, like, he could be, like, there are other outlets yeah, for him right. to, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think this thing of, like, kicking out his younger brother who he's always protected and always loved and, like, the whole reason that Latika gets separated in the first place from them when they're children is because... He's jealous of the connection that they have. And let's go over hand. And let's go over hand so that he can keep his brother and get her away. I don't see the then, like you said, the switch being flipped <laughs> where he then comes in and sort of like Jamal needs to leave so that I can be with Latika. Like there's other ways that he could have dealt with this situation or what I don't know what it is, but. Yeah, that, that that moment sort of doesn't really ring true to me. Either. And like, it didn't, so yeah, it didn't ring true to me. And then when you get them in their late teens, early 20s, at least if he had kept her in like, in those terms, I would have been like, oh, okay, maybe this is what the gang guy said, like he had to do or whatever. But then the gang guy gets her. Yeah, like, like he, he probably, he uses her as like a chip. You right, I mean? like, like he probably he does use her probably as a like, as a way to keep his standing in the gang, and maybe even rise a little bit because he's he's presenting this gift yeah. to the new to the new leader or whatever, right? And sort of like, yeah. So yeah, yeah his storyline just kind of I got a little confused. Um, so I I do think for as much praise to as we gave, uh, Frida Pinto for her portrayal as Latika, like. The character's not the best. Like, she does get saved three times by yeah. Jamal in all three stories. Like, yeah. she doesn't really ever get a moment where she gets to sort of stand up a little bit and, and sort of exert her own... Um, Female independence. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I guess, like, there, there could be something here about maybe she wasn't allowed to or, you know, that's the culture. I don't know. But I think as from a story standpoint, it does make it a little bit difficult to love her character 100% when it's sort of like, oh, she's kind of waiting for Jamal all the time to come get her. Yeah, I kind of, I didn't necessarily fall in love with her character 
if she was on the screen with somebody else, I tended to kind of watch the other person. Right. Um, because I just, I think we talked about, I can't remember now, the director who we've agreed just doesn't write good female characters. That's Christopher Nolan. Nolan. <laughs> that's, <laughs> um, that's, Nolan. That's him. <laughs> that's him. Yes. And stuff. And so like, I don't know, like, does Danny Boyle write good female? Well, he, he doesn't write the movies, so he didn't oh, write okay. this movie. So we should say that actually. The, the guy who actually wrote a, the full Monty wrote this movie. Oh, and okay. that, that's why Danny Boyle took on the job in the first place. Cause he's like, Oh, he wrote it. Like, I really like that movie. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, like, I, I don't know. Like they just didn't give her anything really to work with. No, there's not a whole lot. And you know, she, I guess she gets the moment at the end where she kind of, I don't know. She doesn't really save the day, I guess, but she does get that moment at the end where she gets to, to run off and, you know, but once again, that's only the, because Salim kind of lets... He sort of facilitates it. He lets her go. Yeah. So I would have loved it if she... She's a she, tough character. Yeah. I would have loved it if, like, rather than him letting her go, that's the moment that she could have redeemed herself. Yeah. If she had escaped on her own. Yeah. And yeah. kind of was just like, yeah. nobody's paying attention. I could run right now. I could sneak out. And then Salim maybe figures it out. And, like, but, lets yeah. her go and yeah. stuff. But, but she needs to make that first choice yeah. of i'm i'm leaving now um yeah yeah that, i get like this is what i'm saying this is what i'm saying like <laughs> there are good things and there are bad things about this movie and that is why i'm sort of like wishy-washy on the fence about it but but ultimately it's sort of like no this is not it's yeah. not a great movie to me it's not a great one it is strange when who wants to be a millionaire is like a key central plot point to a story because like it just locks this movie into this timeline and like we'll never ever confuse this for so, like you know what i mean no. like, it'll never be modern it'll never be that old you know what i mean it, it is just 2008 yeah. because that is when this show meant that big of a deal that you could make a whole movie about a guy going on there and answering questions i remember watching who wants to be a millionaire it's huge i remember watching huge. it i remember us watching it in ireland yeah where our dad is from, we would go down to the... Down to Hagerty's. Hagerty's. Yep. So, like, the corner store for kind of the ease of description. And going into the back room and sitting... Sitting and watching it. And sitting and watching it and stuff like that. Like, I have actual memories of all of that. So. I, remember, I remember, like, <laughs> we were obviously quite young, but I remember playing the computer game. And yep. just, like, <laughs> never getting past the, like, fifth question. Because you're just like, I was 11? Yeah. And you're just like, what the fuck? Like... Who who knows these answers? But yeah, I remember that. I will say for the movie, kind of using it almost as another character, I did like that he didn't just fly through the questions. Mm -hmm. So like I liked that, I think it's the third question or something, he uses to ask the audience and the cop then looks at him and is like, well, how do you not know this? And I think it was something about... It was something like very sort of like Indian national yeah. list, like... Every kid who goes to school would learn about this. But and because he didn't he really. He didn't go to school. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, he doesn't know about it. I think like there are a couple of fun moments like that in, in the movie where they're sort of like, how did you not know this? And then he's sort of like, well, how do you not know who stole the bike? Yeah. It's like every kid in the neighborhood knows who did that, but you guys don't know it. And sort of like there are different intelligences working here. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I, I just think like it's. It's just a funny concept. Like I can't, I can't imagine somebody making a movie about somebody going on to Wheel of Fortune no. or Jeopardy. You know what I mean? But like, why not? 
Because it could be any. Like It could be yeah. any of these game shows where somebody all of a sudden goes in with no money and wins a lot of it. Like, it could be anything. But for whatever reason in my head, I'm just sort of like, no, that makes no sense that you would go on a Jeopardy. But like this, yeah, absolutely. Go on and go on a fairy tale run and win, win a million dollars. Like, makes sense, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it's because like the, the money is more. Like, you only win a few grand on Jeopardy and, you know. The, I tend to think the people who go on a Wheel of Fortune might be the dumbest people in the world. Like they can, <laughs> they can never ever figure out the clues. Um, so, like I don't, I don't know how they find these people, but um, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. Like watching it the other night, I was like, this is both so ridiculous, but also like in two thousand and eight, yeah, you would that make makes a, sense. This makes total sense to make a movie about who wants to be a millionaire in two thousand and eight. Yeah. Did you have a favorite timeline? Like we we talked about, like there are three sort of distinct and separate sort of timelines in in this movie. Like, did was there one where you were sort of like, if that had been the whole movie, I would have been okay. Probably them as the late teens, twenties. The 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 like oh, like Dave, the third one, the third one, the third one, yeah. the Dave Patel one. Okay, what what about that one? I think it just by that point the characters, although Latikas isn't totally fleshed out. They are a bit more, so like you right. get just like more chances for them to show you different things, whereas like them as the five year olds is them just surviving, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, no, it's true, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it is him running from being killed at one point, running from this, running from that, yeah, even the middle age one, the middle one, once again, kind of him and his brother just surviving. I did love them doing tours of the Taj Mahal yeah. and just like making things up. Yeah. Um, that actually really entertained me. But like I enjoyed them being older because it wasn't them just running anymore. Like it was kind of them taking a stand in certain ways. I do I do like the the middle section is probably my favorite. Really? Only, only because so much of it is centered around them just like scheming at the Taj Mahal and like that's fair. taking all these tourists for their money and whatnot. So like and taking their shoes and taking their shoes and taking <laughs> anything that they can get their hands on. But like, I think that that middle second, like I, I understand what you're getting at. Like ultimately it's still sort of like small potatoes. Yeah. Like they're only stealing a few bucks here or there or whatever. Um, so it's not like they're comfortable, but I think at that stage you get the sense that like they have figured out how to survive and so now, like, they're kind of thriving in that sort of narrow Field. viewpoint. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, the stuff with the Taj Mahal is fun. The stuff with them sort of, like, in this roaming gang on the countryside. Yeah. Like, it's all sort of, like, lost boys. Um, like, that's fun. Then, obviously, like, they go back to the big city and, and things sort of take a turn from there. But, yeah, I, I think, like, that's probably my favorite section of the movie. But then, obviously when we get the Dev Patel stuff, you're sort of like, oh, these are real actors now. Like, yeah. We're, we're, you know, you mean like you can distinctly see that shift or that, that difference where it's sort of like, oh, these are professionals now. Like these were just probably kids in the neighborhood that you hired. And these are professionals that you've brought in to like, tell your story, tell <laughs> the story. I do love the moment though, in the middle section and it's the transition from the first section to the middle one where they're, they've, They've been on the train and they fall off the train and they're rolling down the hill. And then they, they sit up as, as, you know, older kids, older kids, like, you know, 12, 13 years old or whatever. And they start speaking English. Oh, and yeah. And you're sort of like, 
where did they learn English? How did they learn English? Like they've been roaming on a train for potentially years and like I, I don't think I they're going up, to the classroom. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, like all of a sudden they just start speaking English and you're like, okay, no, no, no. Um I did I read somewhere that uh in the very, very first iteration of the movie, uh, because it's it's an English screenwriter, that's you know, obviously Danny Boyle is English as well, but um the whole movie was gonna be in English. And then it was only once it started to get rolling and, and people started coming on a uh, coming aboard, there was a um, an Indian filmmaker who came on and was sort of like, I think there should be some Hindu in this movie. <laughs> and they're like, oh, right. Okay. And so they rewrote the whole first section. That's why there is this jarring shift. Uh, but it was just like the other night where I was sort of like, nope, I don't like <laughs> That's, that's not how that happens. I don't think you can, you know, English is the hardest language in the world. Like, I don't think you're just going to pick it up by by riding the trains, sort of Woody Guthrie style. But um, yeah, like, I, I think that the middle section for the most part is pretty fun with, with that sort of minor thing off that, to the side. That little note on it? That little note uh, off to the side, which like, ultimately, like, I think we've pointed out a few fair criticisms of the movie. Like, that's not a criticism. It's just no. a like... A stray thought, a stray sort of like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. Sure. But I think once again, because the movie is pretty well paced, like if there had been a scene or two where they were trying to learn English, I would have been like, yeah, just cut that. Like, Yeah. Oh, right? yeah. Like, so, exactly. Like... <laughs> it makes no sense to, to do that. Absolutely. Like we get a very, very quick shot of them at school and you're sort of like, yeah, that's enough. Like, yeah. The, these kids don't need to be in school sort of thing. Like we, we understand I, the characters. Yeah. But I loved that school shot because I think it really set them in that timeline because that's when they were like little kids. Yeah. And the classroom is packed. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's three times as many kids as there are desks. These yeah. two get tossed in at the very end, get hit over the head with a book. And I'm like, yep. Because like none of those kids really want to be in that school right now. Like... So at the 2008 TIFF, it was, you know, a bit of a rough year. Because were you at TIFF at this point? Do you know what your first TIFF was? What year? Yes. So I remember the first year that I went to TIFF. I'm I'm pretty certain that this is the first year because this, this is at least the first year that I remember. This is the first movies that I remember. But we went to go see an Irish movie called A Film With Me In It. And that was... I believe the first movie I ever watched at TIFF and that was at the 2008 TIFF. So that was this year. That was the Slumdog okay. Millionaire year. But you didn't see Slumdog No, there. we weren't going to that movie. Um, <laughs> so we went to we went to see a film with me in it and just like, I loved it. Like I'd never sort of been in a room with like three or 400 other people watching a weird movie where we were sort of like, oh, this is fucking hilarious. And like, you know what I mean? Like, like the whole crowd thing. And like, yeah. you know, you've been to TIFF now. Like when the crowd at TIFF is enjoying a movie like they really enjoy yeah. the movie sort of thing so that was that was definitely a sort of glass breaking moment of like oh like i want to do this every year yeah um but yeah i was definitely at the 2008 one because in my research the movie that i did come across that also played 2008 was zach and miri make a porno yes. which is famously the first movie i ever chose <laughs> to see at tiff uh, that is, I was allowed one pick and that was my pick. With and, our mom and our family friend. <laughs> yeah. And, um, we loved it. I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to speak for them, uh, and say that we all loved it. Uh, but yeah, 2008 would have been, I believe the first year I'd ever been at TIFF. And yeah, like here we are, what, 15 years later? Yeah. And have you kind of almost been every year? 
Yeah, like there are definitely a few years there during school where like school started, and so then like how are you going to find the time, sort of yeah. thing. Um, there were other years where I went to one movie and just, just to get to just one. to get to one movie. But yeah, I would say for the last probably for the last seven or eight years, I've made like a real conscious decision to sort of be like I'm going every year, and I, I'm going to see a few things every year. Because it's just better. Like, you know, we'll get into the TIFF stuff next, next week. week or whatever. But, like, it is a bit of a numbers game. Like, the more things you see, the more likely you are to see something really great. Um, you know, a lot of movies that do get into the festival aren't going to resonate. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, but 2008, it was a bit of a bit of a down year. Like, 2007 is quite famously, like, a really great year for movies. And, and for the festival like we went through a few of the movies that played there last week when when eastern promises won and they're just like big big movies this year a little bit different so i think the 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 two big ones that i came across that were released in 2008 anyways and would have you know competed with this movie throughout the throughout the year for awards was darren aronofsky's the wrestler which is like a really good movie yep really big fan of darren aronofsky and then burn after reading from the coen brothers Okay. Um, it's like a funny Coen Brothers movie, and I'm not a big fan of their funny movies, but like it is a funny movie. So you can be like, they're really good filmmakers, obviously, and this is like just an insane cast of people, and Brad Pitt's out of his mind in it, and <laughs> George Clooney's making sex toys, and you're just like, what is happening? Here? Oh my god. Okay. Um. So yeah, those are the two big ones. But then the the sort of surprise one that I came across was The Hurt Locker. Which would then go on to win oh, Best Picture the... the next year. So oh. it had obviously played TIFF. And then whoever bought it or picked it up just delayed it a year. And it came out the year after Slumdog Millionaire won Best Picture. And it, it ended up winning Best Picture as well. So I think that was a smart choice on whoever bought it. Oh, not yeah. putting it out the same year oh, as Slumdog. For so. sure. For sure. <laughs> and like it is it is odd. Like I, I would be very curious if, how, if you went back in sort of the timeline of TIFF like how often two best pictures played at the same festival because normally if a movie is held for a year it's not a good sign yeah so you know i don't know if they just couldn't find a distributor or or what but you know that that play obviously worked out really well for them so i i like the hurt locker i, th- I probably like the hurt locker more than slumdog millionaire i think i enjoyed hurt locker too yeah i think so it's just a little bit different right yeah just adding something different to the to the list here any sort of final thoughts on, on Slumdog Millionaire? Anything to, to wrap it all up here? So the only question I had for you was the host at one point yeah. on the one there in the game. They asked the question and then go for a commercial break. And I was kind of shocked that they actually went for like a legit commercial break and everybody right. went to the bathroom. I was like, I think they just say that. And then 30 sit, seconds sit later, say, yeah, yeah, yeah. say, and we're back. Yeah. <laughs> um. Would you have gone? He gives him the wrong answer for that. The, yeah. I think it's a cricket question. Yeah. Would you have gone with the host telling you the wrong answer? Or would you have been like, he's playing me and gone for the other one? Well, so I think, so that's obviously like Jamal's <laughs> big thing is that he is very street smart and he is pretty good about reading people and sort of sussing them out a little bit. Um, I don't think I had necessarily have that no? level of, I think I, I think I read people pretty well. But um, I think at that stage in the game, 
the host had said so many things sort of under his breath and whispered in Jamal's ear where you're sort of like, this guy doesn't want you to win. Yeah. So I don't think I would have trusted him. Now, I am notoriously pretty bad for like multiple choice quizzes. I fucking oh, hate really? them. I hate them. And it's because they're always like the right answers in there somewhere. And you're like, great. So I can just <laughs> immediately pick out the right answer and then talk myself out of it three different ways and end up with the wrong one. So I definitely would have seen the answer on the mirror that he had that he had written down on the mirror for for Jamal. Would have seen that, would have immediately been like, oh, he doesn't want me to win. So I'm not picking that answer. And then would have immediately started to second guess myself to be like, but it would be better TV if I did win. Yeah. Ultimately, it's a better episode if I do keep winning. And so obviously he wants me to win. And that I would have just gone the whole way back and forth, back and forth. And then eventually just been like, ah, I'll just take the money and go. So like I wouldn't have picked an answer at all. So do you prefer then, I guess it makes sense knowing you, you prefer like essay questions? Oh, I love Where you could like love just... Just let me fucking ramble. <laughs> the the right answer will be in there somewhere. It'll be in there somewhere. Just the keep reading. The, the teacher just has to find it. Just keep reading. It'll be in there somewhere. I'll make sense eventually. <laughs> so yeah, I, I fucking hate. And like the true and false ones, I understand that like it's still 50-50 or whatever. But even those, it's sort of like, no, just fucking, just let me spew it all out and like eventually something will click and like there are many times writing essays at school where i would start the essay during the exam and sort of be like i don't know what i'm talking about yeah and then halfway through you find it and you're like oh okay here we go and then you're you're then you're flying but yeah i fucking hate multiple choice questions so hate them so you would never go on who wants to be a millionaire oh no 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 i'm a jeopardy guy yeah i'm a jeopardy guy yeah 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 that's just like pub trivia like that's I could do that for sure. But, but yeah, the, the, the whole, I would just talk myself out of, I would like, that's the thing is like, I would immediately go with my gut and be like, answers A. And then I would sit there for the rest of the time and just question myself. And I would, and then it would be A. And you'd be like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. I'm an idiot. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, some dog millionaire and who wants to be a millionaire? It's just so sort of painfully 2008 that, you know, I, I just can't, I can't imagine anyone firing this movie up in 2023 anymore. No. It kind of, I like, do you know That's anyone fair. who really likes this movie? I really don't. But I also, I don't have kind of the friend group where like we would go back and talk about old movies. You need to get a better friend group. So. <laughs> So that's that's it for Slumdog Millionaire and uh, the the Our, TIFF winners. Mm -hmm. That's the little mini series over. So next week we'll do a, a sort of TIFF wrap up episode. Uh, maybe I can strong arm a guest to come on. I was going to say, are we bringing any friends of the pod on? Well, I think you need to reach out because they they've told me that they're not coming on for me. That they've come oh, on no. for you. <laughs> so yeah, if, if uh, you know, if anyone out there is listening. <laughs> One specific person. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if we're, we're able to, to get a guest on. Uh, but yeah, next week will be sort of a TIFF wrap up uh, because you're finally doing TIFF sort of properly this year. Yeah. And uh, and then the week after that, we'll do the mailbag. So so oh. two weeks to get your questions in to, to put Kate on the hot seat. Oh, boy. Until then, we'll see everybody next week. See you then. Mm -hmm.